This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Progressive presents an interview with your upstairs neighbor. Hey, it's Rick from upstairs. Yeah, I take it seriously. When I play R&B at one in the morning, that's me saying, hey, I'm here for you. And I enjoy repetitive bass lines. I only use expired batteries in my smoke detectors. Nice, right? Yeah, upstairs neighbors help people forget their troubles. Give them something else to focus on. Ooh, want to see how high I can jump? Progressive can't save you from your upstairs neighbor. No, wait, let me try again. But we can save you money when you bundle renters and auto insurance with us. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations. This post-game edition of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast is brought to you by Triple Threat Sports. For all your team outfitting needs, call Chris at 708-478-6090. Mariska's in Crest Hill, family-owned and operated since 1933, and Chuck's Southern Comforts Cafe with locations in Burbank and Darien. Visit chuckscafe.com. Let's drop the puck. Welcome into our first-ever post-game edition of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. My name is James Naveau from NBC5 Chicago, and with me, as always, is the one, the only, the awesome, the legendary, Jay Zawoski, Jay. We are talking after yet another Blackhawks defeat. They are fourth in a row. Only scored one goal again tonight. Almost got shut out, but did not thanks to Jonathan Taves. And really, they have just got to be really happy that this week is over. Yeah, and, you know, it's hard to look back and say they've played really poorly. um, But they haven't played overly well either. And I think coming off the slow start and then the hot streak, you know, in the middle of November – we're starting to see what this team really is. And I think you and I called it maybe earlier than most. They're just not very good. They're going to be a team that's going to be really having to grind out to win a playoff spot here. And if they get one, they're not going to do much with it. It's a transition year. They're playing the kids. I'm happy that Joel Quenville, when they need a goal late, has Alex DeBrincat, Gustav Forsling, young players on the ice in those situations. That's what we wanted. That's what we hoped for in this situation, and we're getting it. So I can't be too overly mad. We we thought that if things broke right, they'd be a playoff team this year. It looks like they could be. I think they're probably better than they played the last four games a little bit. But, I mean, this might just have to be the reality of what it is, and, and it's pretty mediocre. And uh, there's going to be stretches like this where they're losing one-goal games, game after game after game. Sorry I'm rambling on here, but tonight – at no point did I really feel <laughs> did I really feel the Hawks were going to score. It just never really had that feel, did it? Well, it didn't really feel like the Kings were really doing much of anything either, if we're being completely honest. It was kind of a sloppily played game. It kind of was just plodding along. It wasn't real great. And then kind of in the third period, the teams kind of got like a little bit of a sense of urgency. It almost reminded me of like an NBA All-Star game where they don't really start playing defense until the fourth quarter of the game. And that, to me, was kind of the story of tonight. The Kings didn't really look like they had any interest in this game until the third period. The Blackhawks were able to punch back a little bit. 
Steve Conroy kept bringing up on the broadcast that he thought the Blackhawks, you know, looked pretty fresh, all things considered. And I have to be honest, I don't know what game he was watching. This team was clearly worn down from playing five games in seven days. And I know a lot of people are going to go, oh, well, you know, they have all these private planes and all their meals are catered. and That doesn't matter. You play five hockey games in seven days. I'm telling you right now, as a fan and as an observer and a blogger about this team, I'm tired after five games in seven days. So I'd imagine that the guys who were actually out there skating and grinding and playing are going to be a heck of a lot more tired than I am, regardless of the palatial estates and the you know cushy travel and blah, blah, blah. This team looked dog-tired tonight, and they looked that way the entire first 40 minutes of this game. They bounced back a little bit in the third period, but it was just a little bit of too little too late. And honestly, they went up against one of the best defenses in the NHL tonight, if not the best. The Los Angeles Kings this season, I believe, are first in the NHL in penalty killing and in overall defense in terms of goals allowed. They are no slouch when it comes to preventing offense, and they gave the Blackhawks some real fits tonight, and you just have to give them a lot of credit and kind of move on and enjoy these next two days and rest, and there's really not a lot you can take from this game other than you went up against a really good defense and yet didn't score until there was about two minutes left in the game. You know, I felt for a long time, speaking of that, that Joel Quenville is a little trigger happy on pulling the goalie. I think he does it pretty early too often you'll see the goalie pull with about two and a half minutes left or so and while I'm saying that I am acknowledging that it doesn't feel like he's gotten burned a lot by doing it but I'm always hesitant with two and a half minutes left or 215 left or whatever it was tonight to pull the goalie especially mid-shift if you've got if there's an icing and you've got the puck down there fine but Forsberg left the ice in the middle of a shift Dustin Brown got the puck and just scored it was just it was oh it was a matter of seconds from when, you know, Forsberg left the ice to when the puck was in the back of the net. Yes, the Hawks went on to, to score and cut the uh, game to 2-1 to one at that point. But still, I think he's too quick to do it. I know it's a small thing. It's not a hugely important thing, I guess, in the long, in the, in the long scheme of things. And again, looking back at the numbers, it probably would prove that he's not doing anything terribly wrong. I just, my gut and kind of like my hockey instinct tells me, man, he pulls a goalie early quick. Or often, I mean. He does it early often. Yeah, I would kind of agree with that. I feel like he maybe pulls the goalie a little bit too early. He's got a little bit of Patrick Waugh in him, where Patrick Waugh used to pull the goalie <laughs> with, like, six minutes left in, like, the second period. Like, he just was itching to get the goalie off the ice and see if they could score with the extra attacker. There might be a little bit of overaggression on the part of Joel Quenville, but I think most stats guys will tell you that pulling the goalie ends up being a worse idea than just trying to play it five on five. And I'm not sure if that's just because there are more bodies on the ice or whatever it is, you know, guys taking liberties, shooting the puck down to try to score easy goals. I'm not sure what it is, but I, I kind of agree with you that there is a little bit of an overaggressiveness there, but I also would prefer an overaggressive approach to a an approach that is too cautious. I wouldn't want Joel pulling the goaltender with like a minute left in the game. I don't feel like that's enough time. I feel like if you do it this way, you probably get two, three shifts maybe with those top guys that you're putting out there in these situations instead of only getting like a little like 30-second burst out of them and then that's it. I feel like Joel pulling the goaltender a little bit early might be just an excuse to kind of dictate that matchup a little bit and get the uh, players out there that he wants to get out there. I only pull the goalie when I'm home alone. That's my ah, policy. Ah, <laughs> uh, nice. 
All right, before we wrap up our post-game thing here, uh, one th- one thing we have to acknowledge, we are uh, two games into the Corey Crawford-less formation, and uh, I think so far so good with Anton Forsberg. I think he was good last the last two games he played uh, against Dallas, tonight against the Kings. Um, so I'm encouraged by what I've seen from him. I think he was really strong tonight. Again, there weren't a million terrific scoring chances, but he did the job when he had to. Um, so, so far, so good with Forsberg. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I would agree with that. I think he, he was uh, named second star last night against the Stars, and I definitely agree with that. I thought he did really well, especially at even strength last night for the Blackhawks. I thought he looked very comfortable in net, and it, he's not Scott Darling. I think that the thing that we're going to have to keep in mind here is we kind of move forward you know, these ne- the next maybe game or two, depending on what the result is of Corey Crawford coming out and skating next week. The thing we're going to have to keep in mind is that the Blackhawks have had a preposterously good run of fortune when it comes to developing and getting backup goaltenders that can potentially start in other places. And then I think that you've seen, obviously, in some cases where guys like Antti Niemi have regressed a little bit. But by and large, they've had guys like Antti Ranta and Scott Darling that have come in here, played as backups, and been extremely good for those inevitable times when Corey Crawford ends up being injured. And I brought this up before the season even started, that we knew there was going to be a stretch of time this season when Corey Crawford was injured, and the big question was going to be whether or not Anton Forsberg was going to be good enough to kind of carry the load in those times, and we're obviously seeing that right now. And the offense hasn't been there the last two games, but Anton Forsberg definitely has been. And I have been pretty impressed with his effort. Well, he has played well, but the bottom line is that he's 0-1-1. So, uh, you know, not good enough, I mean, for the team. And, and I yep gave up gave up one goal tonight gave up two goals last night yep total total bust terrible <laughs> no it's not his fault it's not his fault but I think the I said I don't know if you listened to it you should have because you love me but when I did the special Corey Crawford report uh, on Friday I said the hope is that the Hawks can go 500 um, throughout this stretch without Crawford so far not so good um, but again not Anton Forsberg's fault so. Um, that's encouraging. The fact that he's played well, were you a little bit surprised didn't go with uh, Barube one of these two games? Uh, no, I wasn't. I mean, Forsberg hasn't gotten a lot of run yet. And I think yeah. that during the preseason, we weren't exactly blown away with, by what we saw with Barube. So I'm not surprised at all that Forsberg has gotten the look both nights, especially the way he looked against Dallas on Saturday. I think that Joel is going to ride that as much as he can. And Barube is kind of, relegated to that Jeff Glass territory where he's only here to basically, you know, wear a baseball cap and look cute on the bench. That's about it. Like, I, How, <laughs> How's he doing in that department? Have you noticed? I, I have not noticed him yet. Uh, I tried to kind of sneak a peek at him tonight when Alf Samuelson was doing his uh, third period bit, but unfortunately I didn't get a chance to see that. Speaking of things, I just want to bring this up. I know that we're trying to keep this short, but we have to bring up Artem Isimov's mustache or lack thereof. I know. What are you he doing, man? He shaved it off, dude. What is wrong with him? What? I mean, come on. Hockey players of all are the most superstitious, too. He should know better. That throws off the entire mojo of the entire city, not so, just the hockey yep. team. The Bulls are going to suffer. The Bears lost today because of it. It's just been an outright yep. disaster since he shaved. Completely agree. I, I think that selfish. he literally has thrown off the entire Chicago sports landscape with his selfish attitude of getting rid of his mustache. I feel like we need a full-fledged investigation into why he did that and whether or not he was attempting 
to sabotage this entire city. And we will have the results of that investigation tomorrow when we do a full-on <laughs> podcast. It'll be great. Tune in. It'll be fun. Hey, can I do a quick non-Hawks uh, sports complaint, by the way? It, you know what? We've already had listeners who are listening to this, so absolutely, the pulpit right. is yours. So, uh, Robbie Gold pretty much single-handedly beat the Bears today, air quotes, single-handedly. Five field goals, 15 More points. More like single-footedly. <laughs> um, I want to remind everybody, and this I, this has been on my mind all year as Connor Barth and the other crappy Bears kickers have come and gone. When Robbie Gold was let go from the Bears, he sucked. He was missing kicks like crazy. He was not performing it the way he used to. Don't forget that. And you were probably one of those people that was really mad at Robbie Gold for missing chip shots that he had made before. Just because the Bears' current kicking situation sucks doesn't make Robbie Gold, when he was let go, better than he was. He was not good when the Bears got rid of him. Has he been better since? Absolutely. Of course, he's been much better. But when the Bears got rid of him, he was missing kicks routinely. Don't forget that. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. I can't really add a whole lot to that. I don't have Robbie Gold's numbers in front of me, but no, he was not the uh, end-all, be-all of kickers anymore. And I mean, I know he got very spoiled when it came to the successes of Robbie Gold. He was one of the most accurate kickers in the history of the NFL, and he never was at Connor Barth levels of suck, though. I think that we we can't kid ourselves and try to say that. that. That's a level of suck that few have ever accomplished i'm talking about your al del grecos and people like that so I, I i think that you're right that it was probably time to move on from robbie gold it does not take away from the fact that that dude torched the bears today and they as a team continue to be freaking awful and the only thing we have left to look forward to this season is them losing to the cleveland browns and the inevitable day when they fire john fox and we'll see if they dump more people than just him okay here, 2015 Robbie Gold, he was 8 for 8 from 20 to 29 yards, 10 of 12 from 30 to 39, 9 of 7 from 40 to 49, I'm sorry, 7 of 9. <laughs> That'd have been a record, 9 <laughs> 40 of to 7. 49, and 7 of 9 from 50 plus, good for 84.6%. You're so, acting like that's bad, that's not awful. It's not awful, but it's it wasn't like he was, you know, ruling the world back then either. Bears fans were plenty annoyed with him at that point. He's spo- well, Bears fans are stupid, and I include myself in that group. We are not the brightest bulbs in the box. We just aren't. All right. That's all. I just wanted to get that off my chest. <laughs> Wait, any, any, anything else you want, you want to comment on the Avengers trailer, or can we save that for tomorrow? Yeah. I, <laughs> I think I'm, I have not seen Age of Ultron. What? Why? I started watching it like three times, and then I just always kind of lost interest. Mm. I didn't see it in the theater, and that hurts. You got to see him in the theater. Yeah, it was it was pretty cool in theaters, and that and I make that I, argument a lot about Doctor Strange because that was a movie that if you saw it in a theater, you were blown away. But if you watch it on Blu-ray, it just doesn't have the same punch. All right, I'll take your word for it. All right, well, that's going to wrap up this post-game edition of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Look for these after every game. It'll be James or me or James and me. Uh, Somehow we'll get you a brief post-game report after every game. So stick with us, the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Hey, and don't forget, January 20th, our outing with the Chicago Wolves. 
discounted tickets, meet and greet, uh, Wolves and Madhouse podcast uh, swag. So it'll be a lot of fun. Saturday, January 20th, 7 p.m. I will link the uh, ticket link and the uh, event link in the in the description of this podcast. It's also on both of our Twitter accounts and the Madhouse Pod account. So it's very easy to find that link. If you still can't find it, email us, madhousepod at gmail.com, and we'll make sure we send you the link ASAP. 50 tickets are available. Many have been sold already. So if you want to go to this and you've been thinking about it, jump in now. Don't wait because it's going to sell out. And the first 15 people to sign up get that special pregame Chalk Talk experience with the Wolf Senior Advisor and Director of Hockey Operations. He'll give you a scouting report and a Q&A before the game. So the first 15 to buy tickets get into that. So make sure you hustle. Make sure you get in. Those might be gone already. I'll know more next week. But regardless, if you want to go to this, go to this event with us on January 20th, get in quick or they're going to be gone. But thank you for listening to this post-game edition of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. For my partner, James Neville, I'm Jay Zawoski. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you later this week with a full-on edition of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. When you talk to a Dell Technologies advisor, you get someone who understands there's an art to listening and can provide small business solutions that make you feel truly heard. For solutions powered by Intel vPro platform, call an advisor today at 877-ASK-DELL.